Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And I want to welcome everybody into another edition of the Primetime Podcast here on Most Valuable Podcast. And if you're on Blog Talk Radio, hello. Thank you for checking us out for yet another week. And if you're on YouTube, hey, guys, how's it going? You can see us this week because Brandon and myself are the video podcast for yet Another week. I know. I know. I know. It I know. Just you won't go away. You don't like that microphone like that being, being in right front of your there, face. No. You, no. you can push it down, Brandon. It's okay. Make <laughs> sure they can see your wonderful face. But if you guys love these video podcasts, I got to say it like I do every video podcast. Make sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. It's just an extra way for you guys to help us out to make sure we can do more of these for you guys on different podcasts more than just once a week. But Brandon, do we have a doozy of a show set up today? Basically, it's uh, cleaning house season. Old faces going away, new coaches coming in. We've got Tom Herman taking his dream job for the Texas Longhorns. Brian Kelly, should he stay or should he go? Going to be talking Lane Kiffin. But we're also going to be talking some college football playoff because there's some things that happened, mainly between Michigan and Ohio State. There are a few things that happened. Well, I mean, what a game. That's going to go down as uh, probably the best game of the season, uh, certainly so far. It's going to be pretty hard to top that one, but uh, hopefully the national championship game will. I think that uh, that game, though, it, it just really was a true, it was absolutely just a true test of both of those teams. But I'll be honest with you, I was surprised with the outcome. And, and I will also be honest and say I didn't have a, have an opportunity to be able to watch that game at all. I actually didn't watch any college football this weekend. I didn't have any time. I was spending it with family and everything um, over the over the weekend. But uh, kind of offended a little bit. College football this week was rivalry week, Brandon. Or ri- rivalry week. Rivalry week. Rivalry week. Uh, no, <laughs> rivalry. I didn't. I did So I didn't have a chance. So I'll be completely honest and say I didn't have a chance. I've I've tried to do as much as I possibly can to to catch up on all the action, obviously, and I, I tried to keep keep up with it. But you know, it's it's a family weekend, Ricky. You know, I, I was spending it with the fam. Thanksgiving's always always one of the hardest to get that football in, along with that family time as well. I know Thursday, I was very keen on. Hey, don't talk to me. The Vikings are on. For like three hours. Don't talk to me. The Vikings are on. And then it was then don't talk were, to me. The Vikings lost. And, well, basically. <laughs> basically, it was don't talk to me. Now I got to drink my sorrows away. But, You're not a big drinker. Don't lie. No, I'm not. <laughs> but Dr. Peppers, man, they, they can go down like crazy. But this weekend kind of got me thinking. And maybe this is because I'm a Big Ten guy. And because that's the conference. Like if I had to pick any one conference, that's the conference that I would associate myself with like I feel like you're the SEC like if you had to pick one you're an SEC guy I'm a Big Ten guy and I want to start with the Michigan Ohio State game and kind of branch off into 
a bigger topic to start the podcast of Michigan-Ohio State played, like you said, a great game. Could go down as the game of the year. Could go down as the game, like the rivalry, the game could go down as one of the best. And we've had a lot of them to kind of look at. It was a great game. It was a close game. Ohio State won. But neither of those two teams, the winner nor the loser, are going to be playing for the Big Ten title game. We have Penn State taking the Big Ten East spot in that Big Ten title game. And with me, that doesn't, like, one of the things that, of course, I can't say it doesn't sit right because you're like, well, Ricky, that's how tiebreakers work. That's how Penn State got in. But it's weird to me how the rankings, and we got to wait for the new college football rankings as we record this on Monday. Ohio State's going to stay at two most likely. Michigan may drop. But now with Penn State being in there, we could have a third factor of, hey, this team and Wisconsin may too, so either of them may have a conference title to put next to their name that might help them. I have to ask you, are you okay? Am I, I okay with the loss? I no, was, not no, really. that's no, no, not, not that. <laughs> I was going to say, are you okay with the, with the title game being Penn State versus Wisconsin? Yes. Do you think that's a good title game or do you think that that's going to really lose hype with the Big Ten because it's not Ohio State or Michigan uh, going against somebody lose hype maybe maybe lose hype because the general football fan may just say who's like Penn State Wisconsin no it's not gonna have the same draw as an Ohio State team would or a Michigan team would but I'm okay with it being Penn State Wisconsin because hey that's how tiebreakers work If Michigan wanted to get in, they wouldn't have lost two games. Basically, the way I see it, hey, you wanted to get in, beat Iowa. You don't lose that Iowa game. You are still playing Wisconsin for the Big Ten title game. Ohio State had their shot. They had their shot to beat Penn State. They lost to them fair and square. Penn State did what they needed to do to at least be in the position for this to happen. So I'm okay with it, but I do kind of... I'm on that side of it might lose a little bit of hype because it is Penn State. It is Wisconsin. But for me as a Big Ten fan, I love it because this is the perfect storm for next week. We could have two Big Ten teams in that college football playoff. And that's where I wanted to kind of go with it is that, you know, if this if this possibly loses hype, which I think it could because are people going to be watching it as much because Michigan's not in it, Ohio State's not mm-hmm. in it. And, you know, you have a, a Wisconsin team that uh, I think us on, on this show, on this podcast, thought was dead middle of the season. Mm-hmm. They're going nowhere. Then they surprise us with a couple of big wins. They end up winning that side of the of the conference. And then you look on the other side with a Penn State team that was actually in the same spot. I, I wouldn't say that I ever thought that they were dead. I just would never say that I thought that they were in it. And then they, they come out of nowhere. They have a huge, huge win against Ohio State. And then they just have huge wins the rest of the way along. But do you think that when you look at this and you see the winner of this of this game, mm-hmm. do you think that because some hype possibly could be lost, let's say that Wisconsin wins it. Let's say that Wisconsin wins it. I'm going to mm-hmm. use a theoretical. Let's say Wisconsin theoretically wins the game. Do you think that if things go in the way on how they may go 
the rest of the way, if Oklahoma can win, mm -hmm. some of the things like that. So we're going to say you like think, Oklahoma, Clemson, and let's, Washington let's say, all win. Let's say they all win. Okay. And you have a Ohio State team that's still in the top four, mm -hmm. that's still a playoff team. Then you have Penn State, in, in, excuse me, you have Penn State and you have Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins the game, theoretically. And then people would think, oh, well, they have a conference championship. They should probably be in there, too. But they may not be. How likely do you think that is to happen if they win the conference championship game I think, and don't make it in if things go the other way how we expect them to with a Clemson win, Washington win, and Oklahoma win? It's more likely to happen, in my mind, it's more likely to happen that way if Penn State wins. If Penn State gets the W, then I could see where, hey, I know you won the Big Ten, but you're not getting into the college football playoff. And what I think this whole college football playoff, like each year there's a theme. We, always. We always. always. We talk had about it. themes all the time. We've always had the theme. And this this year, it brings back a stark just memory of the 2014 season a little bit where the big thing, the big conversation was Alabama was 12-1, and Oregon was 12-1, and Florida State was 13 and 0. That was a 13 and 0 Florida State team. They were number 3. And then you had Ohio State, Baylor and TCU were all up in arms because oh, we had a better season. We were 11 and 1. We should get in. And basically it was no, you're co-champions. You're not getting in because you don't have that conference championship next to your name. You didn't win your conference. You are co-champions. Then last year, we had Alabama, who was the SEC champion. Clemson was the SEC or the ACC champion. Stanford in the Pac-12. Ohio State in the, um, the Big Ten. Then Oklahoma with that Big 12. They were able to get in over a Stanford because they had that Big 12 championship and the schedules were a little different. The way I see this one going is... If Wisconsin wins, I am pushing for two Big Ten teams to be in. Now I have to ask why. Because if, it's because the really, schedule. But really, no, the schedule. But, but if you're going by schedule, then they they beat a Michigan State team earlier in the season, which turns out to not be that great of a win as Michigan State only won one game in the conference this season. They lost at Michigan 14-7, a very close game. They lose to Ohio State. And back to back, back to back weeks. That those are those are where the the meat of their their games mm -hmm. were. They beat Michigan State, blew them out. They lost to Michigan. They lost to Ohio State. Then they beat Nebraska, not by much. And again, that game is kind of looking like mm, maybe not as big of a win as we thought at the time. And then the rest of the way, they win their games where they beat Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, and in, in, in Minnesota. And the, the the best game there was Minnesota. I think on the other side of Penn State, Penn State, I feel like is better when you take a look at their schedule. Yes, they lost to Michigan. They got blown out by Michigan. Yeah, absolutely they did. They got blown out by Michigan, but then they beat Ohio State, and then they blow out everyone else on their schedule after that. I go Penn State. Here's the thing that's the most interesting with the strength of schedule, and it's one that you kind of touched on, but I want to look at, and both these teams have it. When Wisconsin played Michigan State, Michigan State was the number eight team in the country. 
by the time Penn State got to that game, they were not ranked. Does that hold, like, how much credit do you give Wisconsin for that win just because Michigan State had that ranking? To me, and that's why, like, you look at it, the LSU win. I'm Even though LSU season, they fired their head coach halfway through, I'm still giving that as a quality win, although LSU didn't finish as one of the top five teams like they were coming in preseason because that was a big game. That was a neutral site game, too. Yeah, you lose to Michigan. Yeah, you lose to Ohio State, but those were close games. You beat Nebraska, who is the seventh-ranked team in the country. To me, the only win that is a question mark is that Sparty win because on the side of Penn State, you're right. Yeah, they get blown out by Michigan, but they beat Ohio State. So you can say, okay, those kind of and they, and the, each the score other. may not show it, but they they really took it mm-hmm. to the Ohio State. Well, they Buckeyes. were in control that they almost that entire embarrassed game. Embarrassed Ohio State in that game. The score doesn't show it, but they embarrassed them. I mean, I would have brought up Iowa if both teams didn't play Iowa. Both of them beat them, and the big thing that might come into consideration a little bit for me if we're getting nitpicky is Penn State beat them at home. Wisconsin beat them on the road. So, I mean, I look at that and go, oh, you were able to go into Iowa and beat Iowa, something that Michigan wasn't able to do, a team that you almost beat in Michigan. So, it's to me, these teams are, they are so equally matched I think what it's going to come down to, though, is the committee's going to see more numbers for the Badgers. They're going to see 5, 8, 4, 2, 7, and go, you played a tougher schedule. That's what they're going to do. I don't know. I don't know about that because I think that the people on the committee are smart enough, too, to look at those games. I mean, you could sit here and say, man, Texas, they had a really bad season, but, boy, that first game that they won, (laughs) that was such a quality win against that Notre Dame team. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely not. I think that that's what people would say now is that that Notre Dame team was really bad. We just didn't know it right there at the beginning of the season. We didn't think that they would give up that many points each and every game, but they did. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one thing that you have to look at when you go through the schedule, and you can look at the numbers that's based with the team you certainly can do that but I think you also have to take a look at the number where that with uh with that team right now is that is, is that number still with that team is that team still ranked does that team even have a chance do they even have a shot at the playoffs did they do they continue to be good the rest of the season and I think that now at the end of the season if we're talking about this in the middle of the season I think that that's a little okay yeah I mean they're, they're struggling right now but they could get it back mm-hmm. uh, the season is over and I think that now is when you really take a look at those teams and you go okay how good were they really I think that that's the biggest thing for me, is when you take a look at those teams and see how good were they really at the end of the season when it's all said and done, that's when you really have to take a look and and really step back and and see, was this a quality win or was this just a win? You know it's going to be even more, and I'm going to throw – another cog into this discussion. You usually do. We've been th- we've been talking about Wisconsin, we've been talking about Penn State. There's one team we have not mentioned. Michigan. What are they going to do in Michigan? We are sitting here this week, we're sitting here Monday when you guys are watching this, this will be Tuesday. We don't know what the committee's going to do with Michigan. And the reason why I say that is you look at the AP top 25 
They dropped Michigan down to five. They only put them at five. Clemson, Washington, you can go right ahead of them. Michigan is right there at five. Now, Michigan's not going to play. Ohio State's not going to play. Is that going to, how much is that going to hurt either team? Whereas with Michigan, and this is hypothetical. Of course. If, let's say, Clemson and Washington both win. Penn State, Wisconsin, it might be a hard choice. Like I said, if Wisconsin wins, I could maybe see in my head, maybe see two Big Ten teams getting in. I don't think either Penn State or Wisconsin get in if Washington and Clemson win. If Clemson and Washington win their conference title, the way I see the top four laying out after the championships are all but over is Alabama would be number one if they win. Clemson would be number two, Washington would be three, and then Ohio State would be four. And the only reason Ohio State would be four is because the committee would go, they don't have a conference championship. That's why they're four. If they wanted to be really bold, it would be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Washington. You know what I think is funny about that? That's where we were just a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when everything looked all cut and dry, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Clemson went and, w- and lost, Washington lost. These games this past weekend where Michigan loses, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's so funny how if it happens like that, it just circles around to be the exact same thing that we were talking about. Well, oh, it won't be this just a couple of weeks ago. And what's even funnier to me is you got to think I'm not giving any love to Oklahoma. They're in this too. I was going to say we can't forget about them. Let's say Oklahoma State and Colorado or Virginia Tech cause some magic. They cause some upset magic. The thing that is going to be so interesting is if that committee says Michigan, it was a great game. You're at five. After this week coming into the conference championships, Let's say they go Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Washington, Michigan. The big thing is if Clemson loses, Washington loses, Oklahoma loses, does then that open the door not for Ohio State and Penn State or Ohio State and Wisconsin to get in, but do we see a la Alabama LSU, I want to say what was that, 2009? When they played, they had that close game. Everyone loved it. LSU won. Then they met in the national title, and Alabama spanked them with Trent Richardson. That was not 2009, but you guys know what BCS championship in the Superdome I am referring to. Do we get another situation like that where if they put them at five after the game, then we see both Ohio State and Michigan in the playoffs when it's all said and done. That's only if they put them at five right now. And obviously that's going with a lot of other scenarios as well. But I think if that were to happen, you could not put you could not put that Penn State team, you could not put that Wisconsin team in over Michigan. Not in my eyes. I, I really <laughs> don't think so. But at the same time, if we're talking about schedule, let's go back to where the committee's head might be, mm-hmm. and that's that's a game in and of itself. If Penn State wins, it would be, well, they beat Ohio State. But take a look at it. It would be if Penn State wins, they beat Ohio State. Not only did they beat Ohio State, but they probably played a tougher schedule than Michigan did. We continue to give all this love to Michigan, mm-hmm. and it's because they're from the Big Ten. They play a, a, a very—the uh, the Big Ten is a, is a very well-respected conference, a Power Five conference and everything like that. But really, when you take a look at it, only two teams that were ranked when they played 
but you have to also look and say Colorado. That's what I was going to say. Was is very good now, and they ended up beating them forty-five to twenty-eight. However, they were down twenty-one to three at one mm-hmm. point in that game. Penn State's and also they came ranked back. now. Penn State's right now. So I think that that's it. Could get really dicey. Actually, I think if Penn State were to win that and everything else worked out the way that we're talking about mm-hmm. right now, of course, folks, we're all talking hypotheticals. Yeah. It probably won't even happen. But <laughs> but it's a but, fun but, conversation but you have to, to have. But you have to talk about it because it's college football, so the likelihood that it could happen is almost 50-50. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how fun college football is. But I think that if Penn State wins that game and Michigan is at five after this week, and you have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and in, in Washington in there, and one of those teams loses, it will be interesting to see, is Penn State going in? Is Michigan going in? Do they, out of left field, mm-hmm. bring in Oklahoma if Oklahoma wins? Because they'll say, well, Oklahoma won basically won the Big Twelve if they were to win. And we already have a Big Ten team in there. Penn State, you won your your conference championship game, but Oklahoma, we're throwing you back in there because you don't have a conference championship game. You won your conference. We already have a mm-hmm. Big Ten team. You're leaping over. You just never know. I mean, it goes back to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. You put Texas A&M in there, and that was a shock. So, uh, you know. Sean all got his panties in a jumble about that, too, that Washington wasn't in. Why is Texas A&M in? And look what happened. It all worked itself out. But then, boom, Washington was in the Mm -hmm. week after. But I I still think that there's got to be somebody on that committee or a group on that committee. And I don't know how how many people are on Mm -hmm. on there. It's probably a very. uh, Condoleezza Rice is on the committee. No way. She is. Is she really? Yeah, she is. I really don't know who's who the committee's made up of yeah, no. outside of now Condoleezza Rice if you're she not is. pulling my leg. I'm not but, pulling my uh, leg. She really is. I was going to say, I, I feel like um, there's got to be at least a small group on there that's willing to kind of go out on a on a limb with some of their thinking. I think that there's got to be. Otherwise, everything would be boom, 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 boom. Just so everyone knows, in case you're sitting at home like you don't know either, um, here are the people on the committee. I'll read them off really I would have thought that would have been a secret list. You have... Uh, Kirby Holcutt, the director of athletics from Texas Tech. Then Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin. We have Jeff Bauer from Southern Mississippi. We have Herb Dometti, or Duramedi, Central Michigan head coach, former head coach. Um, Thompson Jetson, a former vice president of the NCAA. Bobby Johnson, Jeff Long, Rob Mullins, Dan Radakovich, Condoleezza Rice, um, Steve Weisberg and Tyrone Willingham is your selection committee. That is your selection committee for each and every week in the college football playoff. See, you learned something today, Brandon. I certainly did. I really didn't. I, I thought they would have. Th- Condoleezza Rice was the only one I knew of. How odd. I have no idea why she's on I that. just find it odd. I'm surprised Michelle Obama's not on the group. I don't think she watches enough college football. Uh-huh, I sure know she Condoleezza does. Rice loves her college football. Well, so do we. Why aren't we on it? <laughs> I don't think we have enough money to be on the committee. Well, 
Not enough net worth, Brandon. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. But okay, that's very interesting. But I, I think that there's still. I think there's mm-hmm. got to be. There's got to be a group on there that's not afraid to kind of go out on a limb and be say, bold. hey, you know, we already have this, but look over here and look mm-hmm. what's going on over here where not a lot of people are thinking that all of a sudden, like I said, out of left field, boom, there's Oklahoma back in it. Well, and one last thing, this is what I want to kind of end it before we finish with the final question of how many Big Ten teams will be in the playoff Two teams that we said, like, oh, Washington and Oklahoma, if they lose, count out their conferences. Is there a crazy world where, because I'm looking last week, of course, they could move up this week, they could move down, depending on what the committee goes with. Is there a crazy world where Colorado, because they would have beaten Washington, and OK State, because they would have beaten Oklahoma, would they be able to get in? And I'm going to shoot the Oklahoma State one right in the foot and say no to them because then they'd be co-champions with Oklahoma. I think Colorado would be the one that we would look at and go, now do they get into the discussion because they have the conference championship and they beat Washington. I was going to say, too, is the fact that uh, when you take a a look at um, those two teams and you put them kind of side by side, Mm -hmm. if things were to to work out with Colorado beating Washington and then Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma. I, I'm number number one with mm-hmm. you. Uh, you you cannot put Oklahoma State in there. So even if they are able to do that, uh, there's still too many hurdles to get over. They wouldn't be able to do it. I don't see them getting in. Uh, but then on the other side for Colorado, I think that when you take a look at them and they're, they've, they lost to Michigan early on in the season. They lost to USC. Um Kind of later on uh, in the in the beginning part of the season, but kind of the end of the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and they lost them. It was a close game, but then ever since then they have taken care of business. Uh, they beat Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Arizona, and then the most important games here at the end, they beat Washington State, they beat Utah, and if they were to beat Washington, that's when you start to kind of have a discussion about. All right, are we now looking at the Pac-12 after having such a down year, I would say, actually with all of their teams? Mm -hmm. Uh, And are we looking at the Pac-12 now and saying, okay, we've got to open up the door for one of these guys. You know, not to say they're coming in, Mm -hmm. but to say the door could possibly be jarred open for them. But that's, again, only if they win. But then if if they're able to win... I mean, you could have you could have Colorado there, you could have Oklahoma there, you could have Penn State there or Wisconsin. You, Michigan's right. I mean, you mm-hmm. have about four, five, maybe even six teams that are right on the cusp. Who do you pick? Who do you pick? How do you do it? And then, you know, are how do you how do you justify one team? And it's very hard to. I understand it's very mm-hmm. hard to. You know, there's somebody, there's some team that's going to feel like they got slighted. There's f- some team that's going to feel like, well, our 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 record, our resume looks a lot better than this person's over here. We get into that all the time in college mm-hmm. basketball, but college football too. I mean, especially with this new format, you you look at it and you go, well, what did we have to do to get in then? Oh, well, you had to do this. Well, not necessarily, because you, you look at last year, you had to do this. You look at next year, you may have to do this. So it gets to be very, very tricky. So what I would say is just win all your games. Here's the last question I'm going to ask you. Okay. Are we going to get two Big Ten teams in the college football playoff this year? Ricky, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, we don't. Um, because I, I just, 
I, I, I just don't think that it happens. I think that it's going to happen in a different way. I think that there's more of a likelihood, and I'll say this, I'll, I'll be one of those guys that goes out on a limb. I'm going to say there's more mm-hmm. of a likelihood that Oklahoma gets in over a second Big Ten team. Well, and how I see it is I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to be hopeful for a yes because I think it'd be cool. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, I think will be tough. That might be the one where we see an upset. I think Washington's going to win, especially Colorado suspending. I just saw on ESPN they suspended two players ahead of their big Pac-12 championship game. I think Washington's got that in the bag. They'll get in. Clemson, although I'd love my second favorite team in the Hokies to get the win. I think Clemson gets the win. I think we're staring at Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson and Washington, no particular order, being our playoff teams. Yeah, I think that very well that could happen. But at the same time, I I, I think that uh, we saw we saw Washington get very uh, have a true test against USC. Mm-hmm. I think that we could see Colorado bring a very good test against them. We saw Colorado play really two good games against Washington State and Utah. Washington blew out Washington State. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even difficult. Uh, but they had some troubles with Utah, Colorado. Had a close game with Utah. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a close game. Maybe Colorado, Utah is Colorado, just a tough opponent. Colorado and Washington. It's going to be a. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be mm-hmm. close. I think it's going to be close. I don't think that either team's going to blow one another out. Watch. Of course, I'm saying this. One team will win by forty. <laughs> but it, it just always seems to happen like that, right? But I think that that's going to be close. And do not, do not count out Clemson closing their eyes and uh, forgetting that they have some actually a lot at stake because Clemson this year, they have been a team that... Uh, you Hasn't look, been laser-focused. They have not this season. Last year, and, and, and I mean, you can tell me too, do you think I'm wrong? I, I think that really Clemson last year, it was every game you came, you, you were focused, you felt good about that team, you they were going to win. Job. It, yes, absolutely. It, it feels different this year. It just feels, especially earlier in the season when uh, when Deshaun Watson was like, uh, yeah, you I'm know, not a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I just, you know, and then the media and stuff like that. If you can't handle the media now, how are you going to be when you're in the NFL? Especially I, if you go to New York. Yeah, well, especially go to Cleveland. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I think that you know, right now, this is a team that needs to be focused for this game. And 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 Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know, saying uh, again, I don't know how big this is mm-hmm. looming, but uh, you know, saying his players did not use any racial slurs, mm-hmm. you know, towards South Carolina and stuff like that. How, are you focused? You have to be focused. Mm-hmm. This may not be a, a team. Focus on the game ahead. This yeah, may no. not be a team that's going to the playoffs mm-hmm. in Virginia Tech, but this is a team that could certainly oh. hold you out of going. Upset worthy. Absolutely. Upset worthy. That's why they need to be focused. They better be ready. My two big upset watches are the Big Big Ten, are the Big 12 title game and the ACC. Those are my upset alerts because both of those games are going to be good. They're going to be, could be, upset city but this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below in the comment section. What do you guys think? Two Big Ten teams going to get in. What do you see in the college football shakeup when we get to the conference championships this week? We got to talk about the big news, though. We have to talk about the big news. Of course we do. Texas found their guy. Texas found their guy in Tom Herman. And I want to start this conversation off, Brandon, with... Something that I heard when I watched the Tom Herman press conference, I got why you said it. Didn't sit right with me, though. Did not sit right with me. And that's when Tom Herman said, and I quote, 
will win championships, will build men of character, will graduate our players, and we will do it all with integrity and class. Those last three, building character, graduating players, doing it with integrity and class, cool. I'm fine with that. It's that first one. <laughs> Leading off with will win championships, uh, there's a lot of pressure on this job. I know you said that you're up for the time being the big-time coach and you're up to the pressure, but uh, if you don't win, you could get fired. Just saying it. I, I'm not. I, I, I'm sitting there going, bit, 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 win some games first. Then say we'll win championships. Uh, I, I, I think that he did exactly what what any coach would do. He came in and he he he, he didn't promise. Fired he, up the troops. He, he didn't say this is a promise. He said what any coach would be saying, and I I don't fault him for that. You can't uh, because they they didn't hire him to come in and be mediocre. That's mm-hmm. what they obviously hired Charlie Strong for. Um, but I think that uh, you know. For for Tom Herman, he's a guy who he is so excited. I mean, I was you know listening on Mike and Mike on the way into work this morning. It was and, his dream job, and, and and he said it was. He said it was absolutely his dream job. He said he couldn't have been more excited about this. It sounds like he handled it very well with Houston and the players there. Uh, it sounds like things went really well. I I did think it was very interesting though when uh, when Greeny asked him. He said, "So uh, you know LSU, were you ever negotiating anything with them?" And uh, he he said, and, and Greeny was like, "You know, you know, representatives and stuff. You know, they're always trying mm-hmm. to do stuff and stuff like that." And and um, <laughs> and Tom Herman goes, "No, I I I I was not, but but I I don't want to talk about that. I want to keep it right here, almost mm-hmm. like hey, he might have been, uh, yeah. but uh, um, I I think that." I think that this man is is really good. I think that the funny thing is is that the person I shouldn't say the person the entity that gets the hurt the most in him going there it's going to be the University of Houston mm-hmm. because what's he going to do? Any of the guys that were going to go to the University of Houston to play with him, nah, we'll just go to Austin. We'll just go to Austin well, and, and play. I do say the we will win championships like I said. I'm the kind of guy where it's like, we we talked about it in the Charlie Strong discussion, how much pressure this job is going to have. Like, Mac Brown did such a good job at Texas. I said the one answer of, oh, well, he wasn't just a head football coach. He was also a politician. Dave, on Saturday when we talked about it before the fast break, he said it a different way. He said, oh, well, Mac Brown was just a good old Texas, a good old Southern boy. That's what Mac Brown was, and that's he fit the job. Tom Herman needs to fit the job, but he also needs to win, and that's why I said the, like, we'll win championships. I know you say, well, oh, that's not a promise, but guess what? 95% of the fan base sees that as a promise, and if it doesn't happen, I know he didn't say, like, oh, we'll win one this year, we'll win one the year after, not one, not two, not three. He didn't go that far. But I think he's also... Go ahead. The one thing I did like that he did say was when he's like, and I want all the high school coaches in Texas, we are your school. He already started talking I to I loved him. it. He already I started talking it. to the coaches. And the reason why I love that is because it's very similar to what Snellenberger did when he took over in the 80s for Miami, where they said, you know what, fuck it, we're roping off Miami and we're calling it the state of Miami. Nobody leaves nobody's leaving to go anywhere else. We're pulling all these boys in to play right here, right here in Coral Gables, and we're going to win championships. So 
part of me is like a little bit of a pussy. I'll say it without being a little PC about it, but the we will win championships. I'm like, don't say that, even though that's me just being the wuss I am. But again, I think that you can't come in and say, Oh, we're we're gonna play well. We're gonna have a really run program. We're gonna do stuff like that because then people are gonna say, "Well, are you gonna win anything?" Be- you're gonna have people on both mm-hmm. sides. If he does say it, you're gonna have people like you. Well, he better win it tomorrow then. You know, like like he well, I'm like not he needs expecting him to win it next year. But Texas, you're not a you're not a Texas fan. No, I'm not. A you're Texas not a fan. Texas. I'm not a booster. You're, you're not a. <laughs> I'm not a booster either. You're certainly not. I, I think that. The the big thing though is is that if he does not win, they're going to give him time. They're going to give him time. So. They didn't give Charlie Strong much time. Well, Charlie Strong wasn't a Texas boy. But what I'm saying is, I don't. Things got very very dicey early. They got very very tricky early with Charlie mm-hmm. Strong in year one. Year one, and and I think that now they have the right fit there. They do. They have the right fit there in, 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 in Austin, Texas. And I'm happy for them. I think that it's going to be a really good uh, – I think it's going to be a really good marriage there uh, between Tom Herman and that Texas team. But I think it's also going to be good for the players. I think that a lot of the players, what, what Tom Herman's going to be able to do is he's going to be able to be a guy who, with these players who are really upset about the loss of Charlie Strong, he's going to be able to – empathize with them understand that that's tough you lost your head coach you lost a guy who you really trusted you really were all about but you know what we we're going to move forward together mm-hmm. and i'm going to help do that i'm going to help you do that i am there for you i am going to help us come together as a team and a guess what and guess what we're going to do we're going to win he's a player's coach and i think that that's huge mm-hmm. i think that this is really a very good thing for Texas, I think it's a great thing for the University of Texas, their fans, everybody, because I think it's, like I said, I think it's finally the guy that they've got now that they've wanted. That's who they wanted. And and, and he finally came available, and it doesn't happen often. And I think that this is, people have talked about it already, that it's one of the quickest turnarounds ever in something like this. A head coach came available and boom, they went and they scooped him up. And I think that it's a good thing because you do not, if you're the University of Texas, you do not want to pass on Tom Herman mm-hmm. and hope that another Tom Herman comes along because guess what? You may be waiting another six to eight years. And you know what's going to be happening in between then? You're not going to be winning. And you're not going to be happy with who you get. You'll be satisfied for the time being. So this is huge. I'm really happy for Tom Herman. I'm happy for the University of Texas. And now the University of Houston, they're going to have to try and find a guy who uh, will be able to fill that spot. Possibly Charlie Strong. I hear he's looking for a new job. Yeah, well, he is looking for a new job. The early things that I heard with Houston was that maybe our Bryles goes back and oh, good Lord, coaches no. um, Houston because apparently he has ties to the Cougars in some way, but well, apparently he's not doing it. Well, he's probably involved in a scandal there. Wants to go back and make sure he can just keep it going. The thing that I do want to touch on with the Tom Herman discussion is what we kind of touched a little bit, but I want to dive into it. Is the thing I really liked was when he kind of said, "Hey, we're this is our program. If you're a Texas kid, if you're a Texas student, you're a Texas high school coach." 
We are your school. We are the flagship team in this state. Because like I said, it reminds me very much of what I saw in the U part one, the 30 for 30, which made that Miami hurricane team so successful. And when you're in a state which high school football, really the Texas players are usually some of the best players that we see coming out of high school ball, why not target them? Why not go with a complete team of Texas high school players and just kind of sweep right through? I think this has a great, with that model, has a great building to kind of start the success at Texas because that team he's getting isn't no cupcake team. I know that Charlie Strong wasn't able to do great things with it, but a game that we mentioned just in the first segment, look at that Notre Dame game. That team knows how to fight. That team's got players on it now, and he's just going to just help that recruiting and bring in just even better players. And, like, when we mentioned, like, how I was like, oh, well, he's a player coach, and then you were talking about how his relationship with the players. You want to know who he learned that from? Who else I would consider a players coach and a pretty damn good one who's uh, right now probably going to make it to the college football playoff? Urban Meyer who not only had success at Florida, but also comes to the Big Ten and has success at Ohio State. A guy where, to me, I see him as also that player coach and actually cares about his players and how they're doing, not just his X's and O's on the field. Because I feel like Tom Herman learned everything how to be that head football coach in his years at Ohio State, but also and then wasn't, he brought it to Houston. But also, wasn't he um, a a grad assistant at Texas, at Texas under Mac Brown? Mm-hmm. So he's got mentors. So, so he's got a number of different mentors. I, I think that I think that that's a it's a it's a huge thing though, and and I think that that's the biggest part is is what you just brought up. Now it's it's not always about the X's and O's because you know there there's a lot of times where guess what there's more things that are important than mm-hmm. the X's and O's. You know, there's there's family, there's friends, there's things like that. There's things that everyone's got going on in their life. And if you can't if you can't be sympathetic to that, if you cannot relate to that, if you cannot help them there, you're never going to grow as a as a program because you're never going to grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I'm not saying that Charlie Strong did not do that. I'm actually saying that Charlie Strong did a great job of that. He just didn't do enough, well, he um, unfortunately, in the, in the X's and O's department, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And it's not... Yeah, you know, it's really not I would him. Say I mean, Charlie he wasn't Strong's fault. He wasn't on the field, you know, trying to produce. It just mm-hmm. it did not end up working out. But I think that Tom Herman is going to be the exact same in that department as Charlie Strong, and I think the guys are going to respect him just as much as they did with Charlie Strong. And I think that, fortunately, though, for Tom Herman, I think the X's and O's will work out a lot better. I mean, you can take a look. You've got Shane Bouchel, who is a who was a uh, true freshman quarterback this season. Mm-hmm. He really showed some good strides. He had some really good games. I think that he showed some really good flashes of what he could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Tom Herman will certainly help to bring him out and, and, and hopefully make him even better. You said it too, this team has fight. You saw it in that game against Notre Dame. You've seen it in, in a couple of games. You saw it even two years ago when they beat Baylor, when they weren't supposed to beat Baylor mm-hmm. at the end of the season. So this team is is not terrible. It's just not producing the way that they should be. And it's not the way that they need to be, 
It's the way they should be. Mm -hmm. This Texas team is built on tradition and all of these things. We talked about it before how you said, you know, the New York Yankees and the Texas Longhorns, Mm -hmm. they have their own networks. And you bring in a lot of revenue. You can't lose. You can't have losing seasons. Doesn't happen. And I think when you do, and then you do it three times in a row, scares a lot of people. People have to do things they don't want to do. But I think that moving forward now, Texas is in a good position with this coach. And I'm excited to see who he brings in mm-hmm. in this in this next recruiting class. It's going to be really interesting. I think that the light at the end of the tunnel, Texas is right there. Well, and just to kind of bring it full circle, to answer the question that we have and what this segment is titled, if you're watching us on YouTube, is can Tom Herman handle the pressure at Texas? Despite what I said earlier, you might be saying, well, you know, Ricky's going to say no because he wasn't really 100% on board with the we will win championships thing just because of that pressure. I think Tom Herman's going to handle it. Because Tom Herman, to me, is one of those, not just good head coaches, great head coaches. And it all starts with the relationship with his players on top of understanding the X's and O's part. I think that Texas, they next year might be, wow, this team is really good, but then they finish out maybe 500 at the least, and then they just start get better and better and better with the recruiting class that Tom Herman brings in. And the thing that I'll be interested to see on top of your point, you said, oh, what kids he brings in, I want to see how he tackles his scheduling. Because year two at Houston, he went after Louisville. He went after Oklahoma. What's he going to do with Texas? Because now that you're on that Power 5 stage, is he going to try to tackle an LSU? Is he going to try to tackle in Alabama? Do we see a Texas-Ohio State game at a neutral site? Kind of former coaches going at each other in that sense. So to me, that's the thing I'm going to be most interested to see is after that first year, how does he tackle the scheduling? What big opponents does he go after? Because you you got to know that to win championships, you got to make it to the college football playoff. How do you make it to the college football playoff? You win your conference and you schedule good non-conference opponents, unless you're Alabama. But Alabama plays in the SEC, so they've got good opponents all throughout their conference schedule. I think that he's going to be just fine handling the pressure. I don't think that there's going to be any problem. I think he's super excited. I don't think it's because he's oh way in over his head. Mm-hmm. He's going to be just fine. No one needs to worry about any of that. And I, I think that he's going to, I think he's definitely going to put some challenges on his schedule, especially being in the Big 12 where so many people are like, eh, whatever. I think that he's definitely going to try and bring some life not only to that Texas team, but I think he's going to try and bring some more life to the Big 12 and try and get them some some respect and some respect back. Uh, the, you know, even maybe back in the day when Texas was Texas with Vince Young. And going back to the national title game against the Trojans and national title game with Colt McCoy against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But we all know how uh, that 
that one turned out for Colt McCoy and the boys. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think about Tom Herman accepting the job. Can he handle the pressure? What do you think Texas is going to be in the Tom Herman era? We're going to move on, though, to a head coach who's on the other side who might be, we talked about him, should he get fired, but apparently his reps are looking for a way out of Notre Dame. Then he says, no, I expect to be the head coach next season. Brandon, Brian Kelly, we talked about him before, should he get fired? Both of us said yes. Now we're looking at, is it really like, is it really time for them to just part ways now and this right now? And the one thing I want to kind of a little nugget of uh, a little nugget of information is if you look at the records between Charlie Weiss and then you look at Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's had a few more seasons, but the winning percentage is almost similar as Charlie Weiss was thirty-five and twenty-seven in his tenure as Brian Kelly is. 59 and 31. So he's won a few more games, gone to a few more bowl games, but this last year has been absolutely pitiful for Notre Dame. Is it time for Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish just to say, you know what? We got to part ways. This is not going to work. You go your way. I'll go my way. Well, at four and eight, it's the first losing season in almost a decade for the Fighting Irish. And Brian Kelly, I think, is a big part of that. I, I think that at, at times this season, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, you you want to watch the games, you want to be excited, you 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 think you're going to get some pretty good play. At times this season, and it wasn't just one time, they were just flat. They were flat. Looked like they didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. There, they had so many issues they couldn't figure out which one to tackle first. Um, it was just so bad. It was so bad. They fired their their defensive coordinator, Brian Van Gorder. Uh, and I think it's time to 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 let go of the head coach. I, I think that right now, you know, Brian Kelly is. I don't know if he's happy. I don't really know if he's happy. I think he's just kind of going through the motions. To be honest with you, I, I think that I don't think he's happy there. I don't think he's happy there at all. I think that he has gotten so. It's gotten so bad this season, and I I just don't know. I I just don't know what's in store. What's uh coming up on the horizon for Notre Dame, but I don't know if it's going to be anything that Brian Kelly's going to be there with them for. And uh, you, you got mixed signals with him. You have absolutely all return next year, but then he's got his representatives looking for for different positions. Mm-hmm. So it's very confusing. It's a guy that, that that is talking out of both sides of his mouth, and that's not a type of guy that you want to have as your head coach. I think Brian Kelly's got to go. Well, and the big thing that we talked about the last time was when he should be fired. In the comments section, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, you don't fire someone for one bad season. Look at the seasons that he's had, 10-3, and 8-5, 9-4, and 12-1. Oh, wait, I can't go any further because those might get, or those are vacated wins at this point. But the thing is, Yes, this is one bad season, but sometimes all it takes is one bad season to turn into two bad seasons, to turn into three bad seasons, then four bad seasons. And what Notre Dame needs to figure out is, okay, we've got some coaching candidates that are out there right now 
that our team could use. Cough, cough, less, less miles. We've seen Ed Orgeron. He stays in LSU. He's not going anywhere. We see you mean Tom, Ed Orgeron. <laughs> Ed Orgeron. <laughs> we see Tom Herman. He's no longer on the market. He's with Texas. Does Notre Dame sit there and go, Les Miles could be next? Do we really want to take the chance of losing out on a big time name like Les Miles? And Les Miles is a guy, he's to me going to pull the the Tom Coughlin attitude of, I'm only coming if the job is right. He doesn't have to jump at the bit to the next job. Tom Coughlin, he's sitting out this year. He didn't like Cleveland. Too cold in the winters. So he decided to uh, stay and home. Pretty bad. And pretty bad. 0-12. I, I mean, mean, Hugh Jackson, I don't think Hugh oh, Jackson's that bad of a coach. Almost brought the Wolverines to tears, or the Wolverine to tears, when he was talking about 0-12 being the hardest thing ever. That he's. I feel for the guy. He's, he's a not a bad coach. He's a good coach. He's, but, been, he's been handed a really tough card. But back with Notre Dame... I totally think that this is time for Notre Dame and Brian Kelly to part ways. They need to just go their separate ways. Notre Dame needs a new head coach. Brian Kelly needs a change of scenery because this is something where, whether it's the Everett Golson leaving, you have two quarterbacks in Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser, who, yeah, Kaiser had a good season last year. He's not a bad quarterback, had a good season this year. But you can't figure out what to do with both of those quarterbacks, and you can't field a team that could win games this season after losing the way you did to Texas week one. I think this is something I know it's one season, but I think it's like, you know what? We gotta part ways. We need we need a palate cleanser is basically what we need. Well, you know, Ricky, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my biggest thing, and then I've got I want to say something else too, but my biggest reason why I think that it's time to be done with Brian Kelly is for the fact that yes, he's had a lot of winning seasons. He has. He's done well mm-hmm. while he's been there. You can't take that away from him. Or well, maybe you can. Um in 2012-2013. But I think that look at the way that he's handled himself and handled things this season. He's blamed players. He's thrown tantrums. He got rid of his defensive coordinator. Didn't help. Who's the problem? Who's the problem? Who's the issue? It's you. And you haven't taken it in stride at all. You haven't, I, I don't think that he's had a good attitude towards anything. Charlie Strong, I think his attitude was good the entire time, and it didn't have to be because they screwed him. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Texas got a huge win with Tom Herman, but they screwed Charlie Strong, mm-hmm. and they didn't look back, and they didn't say sorry. They paid him, paid his assistants, boom, see ya. I think that Brian Kelly cares about Brian Kelly. I don't think that there's too many guys coming out saying publicly, at least none that I've heard, um, plenty for for Texas that oh we you know we stand behind Brian Kelly. It's been tough for him. You know we we want him to stay. He's he's great to us. He's a real players head coach. No, I don't see any of that. Do you see any of that? You don't because it's not there. And. Players want a coach that's going to be there for them. And I think Brian Kelly is not there for them. He's there for Brian Kelly, and it's time for him to go. And the other thing that I have to say is look at some of these games this season. Texas, you open it up. That's a tough game. That ends up being a really tough game. Texas played very well 
in week one, and, and Notre Dame's defense was exposed right away week one. Michigan State, you think you're losing to a real good team. You're not. You lose by 10 at home. The one that kills me the most, and I think it's probably because I was at the game, was Duke. 38-35 to in a game that you should not have lost with your eyes closed. That was bad. And then Syracuse, you give up 33 points. NC State, you actually play the game. You should have never played that game. The weather mm-hmm. conditions were awful. Ten fumbles in the game. And then you blame your center because he mishandles the snap on well, one why, of the nastiest games why, why do you ever. think he's mishandling the snap? Because the playing conditions were like they were. Terrible. You lose to Stanford. You lose to Navy. <laughs> you lose to VT. And you lose to USC. There's just, and in, in, in a couple of these games, you let the team back in. You're up by 17-some points, and you let them back in. It's just, there's so many bad things here with Notre Dame. I could go on and on and on, but I don't want to. Brian Kelly just needs to go. I'm going to give you, oh, this is something where it happened this past week, and to me, I'm putting ownership number one on the player, but I'm also putting a little bit of ownership on Brian Kelly. And to me, this is this is not like a reason why he should go and they should part ways, but I think it's something where it's kind of like a seed where it can grow from this. And if you don't nip it in the bud, more things like this can happen. If you guys missed it, go look up the name Jerry Tillery and look what he did during the USC game. Kicked a USC player in the head when he was down with what could have been an apparent head injury. Stomped on another player's leg. And, yes, Brian Kelly chewed him out. Then had to ask the ref what really happened. Then went and chewed him out more. To me, this is something that good coaches, this doesn't happen to them. How many times has something like this with a player happened to Urban Meyer? Happened to Nick Saban? Happened to Jim Harbaugh this season. Can I just jump in really quickly? Yeah. It's not football. It's basketball. Mike Krzyzewski is a great coach. Mm-hmm. But take a look at uh, Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen with his little, oh, I didn't trip him. Tripping. Step on a leg. Last, last, last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at that. So I just wanted to throw that in there. But continue. Well, and that's another thing of Grayson Allen, dirty player. And he's a dirty player. This one is, and that's why I'm saying it's not a, oh, your player did that. It's not a, it it continuously happens. It's one of those things where I start to look at, oh, okay, this is a snowballing effect from everything else that we've been talking about. When we talked about the player suspensions at the beginning of the year, Brian Kelly, first one to throw the players completely just out there. Like you said, with the center, throwing him out there for something that wasn't even his fault. Like, you can't even, like, you can't hang on to the ball when you're playing in the mud ball. You can't do that, and you're going to blame him. I get the people who say it's one bad season, let him have another one, but I do know Notre Dame fans, and Sean Anderson's one of them, where... He doesn't even want to talk Notre Dame football. 
because he'll just get depressed. It's not fun. Let me tell you, Ricky. <laughs> I, I I am a fan of Alabama. Where Dave just and kept I am a fan on of Notre Dame. Alabama. Thank God that they have. You know, it's not a miracle or anything, but thank goodness <laughs> that they've had a great season because. Notre Dame has been awful. Mm-hmm. They're not fun to watch because you know if they're up by fifteen, they're gonna lose anyways by one. It's terrible. It's no fun. It's no fun. I've literally just every every time after they play, I haven't watched them since the Duke game. I I, I said I won't watch them. I I didn't. Well, I did. I I guess I did against Syracuse, but that was it. Then I was done. And I they guess, and they I guess I did against Syracuse. and they won the Syracuse game, and I said I'm done and. I've just looked every time after they've played to see if they won or they lost. And when I see that they they or I've checked lost. them, I've checked them a little bit. Let, let me not lie, okay? <laughs> I actually have kind of checked up on them on the ESPN app and stuff like that. But but when I see that they're up and I'm thinking, okay, we'll be fine. Then I come back and they lose. And then I read the story and it says Notre Dame loses on last second field goal. Notre Dame loses with 17 point lead with 10 minutes left. Notre Dame. It's like holy crap! How many times can Notre Dame lose? With so little time left on the clock, and yet the other team manages to score 17 points. Really, it's just it's it's bad. It's bad. I'm right there with Sean Anderson. I, I think that it's it's depressing. It's not Notre Dame football. This is not what people are used to. But let me tell you, what you said is one bad season could snowball into another bad season, into another, into another. I know exactly where those Texas fans are at. Charlie Strong's first mm-hmm. not good. It wasn't a good season. We'll be fine next year. Same thing next year. Same thing. And it's like, now you got to start all over. And, and, the, and, and, and if you can save it before it gets there, you want to do that. And the one thing I waited for, I didn't say, I mentioned it at the beginning of the segment, and I just let it sit there. I want to see how many people commented on it. It was kind of like a riddle. How many people solved the riddle? What did I say at the beginning? Who does who does Brian Kelly now have equal wins to almost? Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. Because they vacated those wins in 12 and 13, Brian Kelly has three more wins in his tenure than Charlie Weiss did in his tenure at Notre Dame. To me, I look at that and I go, okay, take out two seasons and you're all you're just a little bit better than Charlie Weiss, a guy who, I mean, he had a good season. He went ten and three, and he went nine and three. He had two good seasons. Then he went three and nine. Yeah, seven and six, six and six. So if that three and nine turned into seven and six and six and six, and you still got rid of him, what's the difference between a four and eight? Keeping him going seven and six, six and six, and then getting rid of him. Just get rid of Brian Kelly right now and avoid the mediocre that could be coming for the next two seasons. I know. That's why they need to part ways. I know. I agree. I think that I just think that I think it's time. I think it's time. I, I think it's it's the end. It's the end for for Brian Kelly. I, and I think that it, it's really interesting because I think that people actually enjoyed, uh, you know, Charlie Weiss when he was there in his first couple of seasons. And I think that people started to kind of get tired of him mm-hmm. and very quickly tired of him towards the end because it just seemed like he was kind of exactly like what Brian Kelly's like now. Eh. Just very, 
Like, ah, who cares? They're still paying me a ton of money. If I want to leave, I'll just go leave. <laughs> That's kind of what you're getting now. What a guy. What a guy. So I, I just... I don't think that I don't think that there's much difference between the mm-hmm. two coaches that you got. You both you hired two grumpy old men. That's what you did. That's what you did. I, I mean, they were successful in a couple of their seasons, mm-hmm. but then they get towards the end and they can feel it. Trust me, you can feel it when you're starting to get towards the end, especially in that last season. And they just didn't care. They just didn't care, and they showed that they didn't care. That's embarrassing. You showed you didn't care. At least hide it. It's bad. Got anything else you want to say about, about it? That's okay. about it. Before Brandon blows a gasket, we're going to end that segment right here. You guys <laughs> let us know down below what you guys think. Is it time for ND and Brian Kelly to part ways? Should they go their separate ways? Should he be fired? Should he leave? Let us know in the comment section. But we're going to move on into our last topic. And Brandon, before we answer the question that we have set up for this segment, I'm giving you the hardest job in the world. I am, you are Ed Orgeron. So put yourself into the mind of Ed, into the voice of Ed. You have to make your sales pitch for Lane Kiffin to leave the Crimson Tide and come over to the Tigers. What do you do? And you can even do the voice if you want to. Hey, Lane. Yeah, yeah, Ed. Yeah. Want to come coach for me over here at LSU? Think that's where I'm at? Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good over here, having a pretty cushy time with you know Nick Saban. We we win all the time. Um, yeah, but uh, want to come over here though? Probably be a lot more fun. Maybe we'd finally be able to beat that Alabama team, huh? Uh, no, no, that that's fine. Ed. I'm still having a fun time kicking your ass. Well, uh, that that's true. Talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. So really, there is no sale. No, there's pitch, no sale pitch. I don't. I don't. I just. Me. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, and I. And I know your question. Mm-hmm. It's going to be: Does Lane Kiffin should Lane Kiffin leave and <laughs> and go to to LSU or he can, possibly he go? Just, he can just read my mind. Possibly that's, go anywhere else. And that's I that know, co-host relationship. And I was going to say, I know you're going to cream me for having an awful Ed Orgeron, but literally all you have to do is Better get a, mine. get a, get At a least deep, you do one. Get a deep voice, talk like uh, you don't know what you're talking about, but still be kind of smart and. <laughs> You're at Ordron. Um, but uh, I think that uh, you, st- you guys still cream me. But um, uh, I think that um, why why leave? That's my mm-hmm. biggest thing. Why leave? And it's it's not because you become and don't and don't say oh well he's he's become so uh, uh, you know he's just been there for so long and and he's become content. Yeah, I'd be content too if I was working for Alabama, winning all the time. Because what's what's the ultimate goal? You're supposed to win national championships, right? Alabama has been giving you that possibility for years, mm-hmm. and you know people people do want to go and do and have new challenges and things like that. But but at the same time, why necessarily do that when what you're doing is working? And I think that that's something right now for Lane Kiffin mm-hmm. is that you have a very good head coach, you have a great coach in Nick Saban, you get really good players, you have some of the best recruits, you got a great program. In a community that absolutely loves everything about Alabama football, I mean that's like their Sunday. They'd rather watch that than anything NFL. Well, and uh, why? My, but wh- and, and and why? Mm-hmm. Why would you leave that to go anywhere well, else? My whole thing, and this was while we were watching the Michigan Ohio State game before 
the Fast Break podcast, me, Dave, and Sean were kind of discussing it. And my whole thing when it came down to Lane Kiffin leaving for LSU, my first thought was exactly what you said. Why? Why would you do that? Because to me, if I was Lane Kiffin, there'd be only two ways I leave that job. A, it's my dream job. Like Tom Herman at Texas, dream job. It's either that or like you said, it's a job where it's like, okay, I need a new challenge in life. This is what it's going to be. But I don't think that going to an LSU team where you're staying on the same level, offensive coordinator, you're just going to a team that doesn't win that much. That's not the challenge that I think Lane Kiffin is looking for. And you're to talking to me, a challenge would be, hey, you know what? I kind of failed as a head coach, especially when I was at USC. And really, it was my dad bringing me down, but I couldn't fire my dad. You can't fire Monty Kiffin because his defense ain't doing well. So really, I was between a rock and a hard place. That's the challenge, I think, that would pull Lane Kiffin away, is a head coaching job where it's like, you know what? I do want another crack at it. I just want to know that I can do it. But here's the thing, though, too, is that do you think that, you know, he's he's obviously a great great coordinator, really mm-hmm. good offensive coordinator, and that's been what he has been good at in his coaching career. And then, of course, we saw how it was with USC, and he had his ups and his downs, and ultimately it just wasn't great. Um, but I think that do you think that he's come to the point where he's in, in, in kind of in his life and his in his time and coaching and say, and he's still a young guy, mm-hmm. um, and, and say, you know what? I know what I'm good at. And that's being an offensive coordinator. And I know where I struggle. You know, he may say, you know what? I don't want to do, you know, the things that, that Nick has to do. I don't want to do the things that uh, a head coach will have to do. I've been there. I've done that. I've dealt with that. I like what I'm doing right here and being an offensive coordinator and being that offensive mind where I strictly only focus on the offensive side of things. He may be right there. Mm-hmm. He may be thinking just that. He may not want to go into coaching again. At least you mean head coaching. Head coaching, excuse me. Head coaching, yeah. I, I think that I think that you know, obviously, no one can speak for him except for Lane Kiffin. I'm sure we'll try and have him on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh it's it comes down to what does he want to do? And what does he think he's going to be mo- the most successful at? And he very well may be on the other side on where, where you say, you know, mm-hmm. he may just want to have one more crack just to say, you know what, I can do it. But it's got to be with, if he does want that, it's got to be with mm-hmm. the right system. You can't just go for any Joe Schmo. You've got to go in the right system where you think yeah. that you're going to be able to have success. And that's why I lean more towards the dream job because really at Alabama, unless they kick him out the door, you're – You've got a cushy setup, set bro. But also, how You've is that a cushy setup? How Stay is that there not? Until, how is that not the appealing? dream job? How is that well, not the dream I, job, though? It all depends on, like you said, what's going on in on Lane's head, and if Lane, if Lane's perfectly fine being an offensive coordinator, then stay at Alabama because there ain't going to be no better job than that, especially with Nick Saban there. But if there is that one thing where it's like, you know what? I want I want another crack at being a head coach. Then that's what you leave for. And you only leave if it's the perfect situation. If you're like, this is a grade A situation, I'm set up for success here, and I feel like I can be successful doing that job, 
because you could always say, no, nah, you know what? Not comfortable with that. I'm going to stay here at Alabama. Can I throw out another possibility? This could be a long shot, but it could be another possibility. Maybe he sits there after, doesn't go to LSU this year, stays at Alabama a year or two and goes, you know what? I'm a pretty damn good coordinator. I want one crack at being a coordinator in the NFL. I'm going back. Not as a head coach. Not like I was with the Raiders. I'm going back as a coordinator, trying to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I think that that could be interesting. That would really be taking the leap. That would be really taking the jump. Mm -hmm. But I think that he would be able to find someone, and the Cleveland Browns would probably be open to having some offense. You know, I think that it's it's all about the right system. Or just wait till the Patriots need an offensive coordinator and go right working with Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) Or or as you would say, not Tom Brady, and it would be um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, Garoppolo. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo. Absolutely. I I think that uh, I think that it's 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 an interesting situation. Mm -hmm. I, I I think it is, and. I think that Lane Kiffin really has, uh, you know, when he came out of USC, people were like, he's done, he sucks. Then he went to Alabama, and they're like, man, he's good. He's really good. But I think that people realized he needs to stay as a coordinator. Mm -hmm. I think that people, you and me, well, me, um, (laughs) I think that I look at it and I say, He's really, really good as an offensive coordinator. I think that that's that's where his strengths are. And, again, you're a head coach. You deal with a lot of BS. Deal with the press conferences. Mm-hmm. You deal with the stupid questions, the good questions. You deal with the stories that break on the kid that just did marijuana on your team, and you're going, I didn't know that. Or gets arrested for handguns or, in the backseat of his car. Sure. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I, you know, or something like that. Then you have to deal with the defense, mm-hmm. the offense, special teams, all those things. Some guys don't want that. Some guys do not want to deal with all that. They just want to be able to they want to be able to just specialize mm-hmm. in what they enjoy doing. And yeah. I think that right now Lane Kiffin has found that. And let's say this. If Alabama wins the national championship again this year, back to back years. Why would you go to LSU then? Why would you go over to the conference where it's like, well, I'm not going to win a national championship over there as long as the team I'm on now is rolling as high as it is. I was going to say, actually, if he does it two years in a row then, then maybe he says, you know what? It gets boring. I've won twice, two years in a row. I know that I'm good here. I know I love this program. I love mm-hmm. these people. But maybe maybe it's time to, to try something else but at the same time you know i almost think i'm not again i'm not exactly sure where lane kiffin is mm-hmm. in age wise I, I, he he seems like a younger guy but i think that you know really it's maybe right before retirement or maybe his final job he wants to go off and be a head coach 41 he's young 41 he's young he could probably retire next year, but um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, that's when I would do it. If Alabama were to say win it again this season, Nick Saban's sixty-five, so he doesn't, in, seem, he doesn't seem that old either. In the coaching world, uh, relatively young, relatively so I, young for coaches. So I think that uh, that's that's when I would say it. If Alabama were to win it again this season, that's when I'd start going. Hmm, I want back-to-back years. Maybe I could try going for something new. You want to know who else is forty-one? Tom Herman. That's another thing that, I mean, maybe the age thing 
looking into it now, that means when Lane Kiffin took over his first college job was, let's see, so 41 is 2016 season, so 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, that would have been, what, 7 years ago? So he would have been 34 around that time, if my math serves me right. Whereas you look at basically Tom Herman got his first head coaching job two years ago when he was 38. 34 and 38, there's a lot more experience that you could have in those five years. Maybe it was a thing of Lane Kiffin. He was a young head coach. Maybe it was, hey, I was just too young to be a head coach. Now I've I've been an offensive coordinator here. I'm learning like I've learned things from Nick. I don't see him staying at the same level going somewhere else. If he's going to leave Alabama, I see it as he's going to be a head coach somewhere. That's cuz that's cuz I'm trying to put myself in that situation. I know you're probably saying but Ricky, you're not Lane, but if I was in that situation, I wouldn't leave just to stay stagnant at the same position. I would leave to the bigger challenge would be head coaching and finding a position that fits me to a T, not just leaving to leave and go to any head coaching position. But in the end, I think that to answer the question, no, Lane Kiffin does not leave Alabama to go to LSU. And I think you're on the same boat as I am. I believe so. Well, and this is where I say, let us know down below, down in the comment section, but Before I wrap up this podcast 110%, we're going to do what we do every single time here on the Primetime Podcast. And Brandon, it's time for Swanee's final thoughts. Well, one of the things that I wanted to to talk about, and I think that it's it's interesting, is the fact that we are deep into college football right now, and we are right on the cusp of the college football playoffs. And for me, I think that that's exciting. You know, I think it's exciting. Ricky and I, obviously, we love doing this show mm-hmm. all of the time, even at the beginning of the season, even in the off season, when it's tough to try and find <laughs> topics. But I think that it comes down to who is the better team, who has the better schedule, who has the better record. I think that it's really difficult when you start to get into this this very nitpicky time of when you have to be able to go and say, hmm, well, did you do this? Did you do this? Uh, Maybe they beat, oh, they beat so-and-so. Oh, they were seven then. They're not in the rankings now. It gets tough. It gets tough, and we were right there. We were right there earlier. That's when Ricky and I were were talking about in in our first segment. So my final thought is this. If it's you... What's the biggest thing for you? What will keep a team out? What will put a team in? And we're talking the teams that are really in it have a chance. So I'll throw them out there. We've got Alabama, Ohio State, Washington, Clemson. Those are the teams that are people are looking at as probably your first four. Mm-hmm. Then we're looking at Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Colorado, and I think that's it. Of those teams, who are you putting in? 
why are you putting them in? What makes what makes the case? What makes the best case? Because at the end of the day, you know, we could all be on the committee. They just haven't asked us yet. But I think the the interesting thing is is that everyone has a different opinion, everyone has a different view, and that's what makes it so exciting, but yet so frustrating at the same time. So please, let me know what you think. Ricky and I talked about it in the first segment of who kind of we would have in there and who we would have on the cusp as well. But please, let me know in the comments section. Let us know what you think, who you're putting in, who you're leaving out, and why. Well... This is where I now get to wrap everything up in a complete fashion. Thank you guys for listening or watching the Primetime Podcast this week. Let us know down below what you think of anything we talked about today. You can follow both of us and Most Valuable Podcast on Twitter. All of those are in the description. I want to thank you guys for checking out this podcast. Make sure to look at also patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. You want to help support the channel. Other than hitting the like and subscribe button, check out Patreon. You can give us a little bit of money to make sure the quality is better for you guys, the fans. But, hey, if you're sitting there going, you know what, Ricky? I don't have any money. Just sharing the videos and podcasts helps us out, too. So I want to thank you guys for listening and watching. Have a great day. But as always, have a great day, everybody. I messed it up, but you guys know what I mean. And I, as I always, twice. I said it have twice. a good day, everybody. Thanks, Brandon. You got me. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.